You are now in the ULOF podcast. I am Kendall Kersey. I'm one of your hosts, and I am joined with Michael Bond. Hey, what's up, everybody? Wearing a three-buttoned golf shirt. I don't know if I've ever seen Michael. Like, he is coming out with brand new... Uh, attire daily so it looks good good job so much drip my cup so, runneth over <laughs> wow okay well maybe we should change our uh our thing to pride today but anyways uh, i'm also with julia uh, miss <laughs> miss julia buggy having all kinds of problems feet don't touch the ground she like can't Rick. figure out yeah she can't figure out her hair and keeps messing with the microphone I haven't so, used one of these yet. We are doing a great job of uh, of entertaining you, maybe, um, or just really getting on your nerves. But what we hope to do today is unpack a uh, specific topic um, that I believe is uh, very much, whether you know it or not, it's on your mind, essentially. And I think it's actually linked to what is pretty much on everybody's mind in this generation, which is anxiety. Um, and I think this is directly linked to that. So I'm going to turn over to Michael because he always asks the best questions. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What is our question today? What are we talking about? So what we're talking about today is rest. And most importantly, what is what does proper rest look like? Because when people think about rest, they might think, well, it's just me not doing anything, taking a few lazy days, whatever it is, we want to dig into this topic and make sure either that that's the right way of thinking about it or show why that's the wrong way of thinking about it. So Kendall, what is your idea of, what is your idea of the proper understanding of rest? Man. Okay. So I'm going to give you a personal view first. This is personal (laughs) opinion. This phrase is Kendall's opinion only and is not in the Bible or from anything. I, uh, and I know why you're laughing because I am not one to rest very much like physical rest. Uh, not so much. Like I like to do things all the time. Like I have about three to four hours, um, on Friday mornings where I lay around and do nothing and watch YouTube and hold my baby and like (laughs) trying to get hit in the face by a toy. That's pretty much like the extent of my rest throughout the week. Um, when I'm like, when I'm like just purely focused on resting. Um, so for me, uh, rest in the rest to me physically is not as much needed for me as it is, uh, emotionally and mentally like, so physical rest to me actually involves working out, which is not physically resting at all. Physical rest to me involves being active. Uh, like my wife hates it. Cause I mean, go on vacation, uh, I like look up where the nearest gym is mm. <laughs> and like I pick hotels based off of how good their fitness center is <laughs> or like um, I'll still wake up at six o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning, go work out. And I'm like that classic dad on vacation that has like a whole itinerary of like, this is everything <laughs> we're going to do for the day. Cause I want to go have a good time. And then Ashley, my wife, she's like, but I just planned on laying in the hotel all day uh, and like just chilling. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's not rest to me. Like, uh, that makes me be anxious in and of itself. So to me, physical rest, um, is less important for me personally than emotional and spiritual mental rest. Like I need that. Um, and that's something I hope to be able to get into today. Talk about that. But, um, Julia, what about you? Like what is rest for you? Cause I would say that yeah. we are probably opposite. We're pretty different. That. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I would say I'm an active rester, but not not that active. <clears throat> like most of my active rest, if it's nice outside, will involve like going outside, sitting, maybe fishing, going on a walk, like walking the dogs, going on a hike. Um, it might involves working out sometimes too. It's not a staple though. Like I'll pick my hotels based on the view, not the gym, <laughs> and then just make make do with what I have. So like. I'd say I'm a happy medium. I definitely feel useless if I'm laying around all day. But if like it's a Friday or day off and like midday after I've taken care of just some like, mm, what, what, what's it called whenever you're just taking care of like personal things or your laundry like or whatever. No, that would be something different. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> whenever you're done. Chores. Take, <laughs> adult chores. My chores. <laughs> when I'm done with my chores, if I like lay down and within like five minutes, I'm ready to pass out. I'll take a midday nap, but I won't like nothing more than like 
an hour. I don't really watch TV, period. Especially if it's nice out at all, I'm trying to get outside and do something because, yeah. like, nature refreshes me the most. Like, running water, swimming, hiking, walking. I, yeah, but I can't lay around all day. Yeah, I will Maybe say for, for sleep, me, but... on the mental break, that's when I watch TV a lot. Like, that's when I want the mental break is I'll just sit and watch TV. And it's not a physical thing. It's literally right. just a mental thing for me. I so. would pick sleep, I think, yeah. when it comes to that. Okay, so we... For the most part. I love sleep. Sleep is okay. <laughs> so we've uncovered something Michael, uh, it's your turn. subjective here that yeah Mike, wait whoa, whoa, whoa. michael try to skirt you just can't ask the questions and then forget to answer them yeah what I, is rest to you what, what is, does it look like to you what is rest to me hmm so, i think i i feel most rested whenever i'm studying and, and i don't i mean like really studying i mean really learning something wow we're different uh, so you take mental grades. you take mental rest the same way I take physical rest then. Yeah. So I have my pre-Christian life, my rest was sort of destructive. Like I would just kind of go indulge the flesh like in whatever way, like just go to, to a bar, you know, go to a club, um, just go hang out with friends, kind of not worry about anything, just let go, let loose. That was rest uh, in a lot of ways, but obviously that's not good rest. It makes you feel rested a little bit, and then it, I think it starts to introduce toxins into your soul, and it, it makes you feel sick over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's what it used to look like, and and now I think in some ways I'm still trying to figure it out. Honestly, um, I feel rested whenever I'm getting good work done in terms of study, when I'm reading my Bible and understanding it and comprehending it and writing and that sort of thing and growing and sharpening myself. Uh, I think sharpening myself is a big part of it. I know that if I go more than a couple days without growing or sharpening myself in some way, I start to feel not well. Mm -hmm. I start to feel anxious. I start to feel like I'm not doing my job properly. And so I don't know if that's rest though. That's yeah. the thing. Like, and, and one of the things I was going to say is that just based on the two of you and your answers, it seems like we've uncovered something that's going to make this slightly more complicated and a little bit more muddy and that there is a subjective element to rest mm-hmm. because a, we each have different things that we feel more likely to need rest from. Like you don't need much physical rest, but you said about like emotional and spiritual rest, you feel like you need that more mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so you probably pursue that rest differently than someone else would. And so th- that's the thing is like, it's tough to say what's the right way and what's the wrong way in this kind of situation because of the subjective nature of it. But it does seem to me that there are some wrong ways that are universally wrong. Well, I think that there's so... I do believe that there are um, rest is subjective to a degree, but I believe that there are some foundational elements to rest that if you're not hitting those foundational elements, then I would say that you are not resting then. Like if you are striving in any way. So take for instance, um, well, take for instance what you said. I'll, I'll use your example because I think yours is the easiest way. Um, when you said, I find rest in studying. Okay, well, is studying to have a better understanding of God's word and therefore be fulfilled more by his word? Or is it, I want more knowledge and I want to know more so that I can teach more. And then so that maybe I have a better sermon or maybe I have a better podcast or maybe I have a better whatever. That to me would not be rest. That would Mm -hmm. be working at some point. I had a therapist one time tell me, um, she asked me what I, what I did for resting. Um, cause I'm pretty notorious for not resting very well. Mm. Um, so did you just laugh at that? Mm -mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm pretty notorious, especially even around here at at the church in the office and within my family that I just don't rest a ton. Um, so anyways, my therapist was asking me, what do you do to mentally rest? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I listen to worship music sometimes. Like I watch worship music on YouTube and she said like, well, don't, aren't you like involved in worship and aren't you involved in like camera operating and like Mm -hmm. all the creative elements and that? And I was like, well, yeah. And she goes, well, then you're not actually resting 
because I bet yeah. you're watching that stuff and you're getting ideas for what you can do next week or how can you improve this or like, oh, that's you're like analyzing the songs instead of just allowing yourself to to rest and listen to the music. Mm -hmm. You're analyzing it. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, dang. Yeah, you're right. Oh, Crap. Okay. Like, yeah. And like, so thing. I was, I would strive even in those moments. And so like, I would have to find something different or evaluate what is my purpose for watching this mm -hmm. or what is my purpose for doing this? Like it has to be a foundational element of it. I, oh, go ahead, Julia. Sorry. I <coughs> inhaled and the sounds so good. It picked it up. Uh, I hope I won't derail your thought, but when it comes to rest, I think, I think this, you, you can correct me, pastors, if this is not <laughs> biblically uh, traced. But when it comes to resting, if you're doing things that are still like resting in a way that you're refraining from anything that's an obligation or anything that would cause you to strive and then choosing to do something, but not necessarily laying around all day and being a slob because all throughout the Bible and especially Proverbs, there are warnings against laziness, but then you know, Jesus also says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. So we're looking for the medium, right? And if you think of, like, any time that I've felt true rest without being a slob, it was me choosing to do things that were super life-giving to me and healthy, and I could see God in it, which is why nature and being outside is such a parallel for me in rest, that I'm able to see God, see something super cool, just take the time to slow down um, without having to completely stop everything. Like there's still stimulus. I'm still doing something. I might be using my body or my hands or talking or being with people, but if I'm doing things that give me life and don't wear me out and I see God in it and it's different from my work day and there's no obligation, I think that can be called rest. Yeah. I would, I would see that. I want to hear your thought before I say something to what you just said. Okay. Um, I just never understood this idea of like shutting off or turning your brain off. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't make yeah. sense to me because you're not really doing that. What you're doing simply is shifting your aim. You're shifting your perspective. You're just thinking about other things. Yeah. And so for me, when I think about rest, I think that sometimes I need rest from certain things. So for instance, I haven't done a podcast for my own personal podcast in like 18 days. I've been doing that podcast since 2018 and I've never gone 18 days without putting something out. So in a sense, I need rest from that podcast. And so I've gone 18 days without doing it, but mm -hmm. it's not like I've just completely unplugged entirely. Like I've been, I've used that extra time from not creating that podcast to do other things yeah. and to sharpen myself in other ways. And so we are multidimensional beings. And if we shirk certain areas, certain domains of fitness, whether it's emotional or mental or physical, whatever it is, if we ignore certain areas of that fitness for too long and just say we're resting from it, mm -hmm. I feel like we just atrophy. And yeah. I, so yeah, I <clears throat> when, when do we ever actually shut off? I just don't see it. So, um, there's a couple of things here that we're all talking around, essentially. Um, and I mentioned it a little bit uh, with, I don't need as much physical, but I need more emotional and spiritual mental rest. You talk about sh how do you even shut your brain off? You know, you're saying I kind of do just like go walk around and it might be a little physical, but I'm not like straining. Like I would work out and really hard if even if I was just resting. And so like we're, lo we're looking at different types of rest, different types of needs. Um, and the Bible speaks to a few different types of needs of rest. Um, and so I want to give you an example first is, uh, I am, I mean, I, I've gone, like I used to be a, a, a certified trainer and, um, I have a big background of fitness and within fitness. And I think you'd kind of understand this too, with exercise science and everything is like, you have to have rest to grow right? Mm -hmm. Like to grow your muscles, um, to be stronger, you essentially break down very remedial. You break down your muscles. They, they technically tear apart. And then you in the rest period are building them back up. Um, same thing with your cardiovascular. That's why interval training is, is big is like you freaking, you go hard and then you rest and then you, you know, feel better. And then you mm -hmm. go hard again. And like you have different intervals to try to do different things. And so like, it's funny because the, it's funny because physical fitness really, um, the principles that, that follow there really do follow with mental 
and spiritual and emotional fitness is what you just said. Um, and so those same principles are, are, are evident in that when you are trying to grow mentally, you're trying to grow emotionally, you're trying to go spiritually, you are challenging yourself. And at some point you're going to need rest from that challenge because you'll just throw yourself up against the wall and you'll die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Or if you don't challenge yourself, you will just be a bump and not ever grow. And you'll just be what you are and you'll never grow, but you can't always challenge and you can't always sit back and do nothing. Right. Right. And so that's a very remedial understanding of why we would need rest. Now, let me go this far to say, or let me, let me now get into the Bible. Um, so the scripture that you used for uh, Jesus saying, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me all who are weary, burn down on religion, all that. Okay. So I want to read this real quick. Um, this is actually found from a website called biblestudytools.com that I use quite a bit. And I looked up some things on rest and it says this in the gospels, the theology of rest is most clearly articulated in the words of Jesus. Come to me and I will give you rest and you will find rest for your souls. That's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. That's a abbreviation of that. I actually just preached on that uh, at the beginning of this month. So if you want to go check it out on YouTube, you can, um, anyways, plug for United. There you go. The rest, uh, he promises. Now this is the important part. The rest that he promises is certainly for the world to come, which is heaven, but it's also for this world. And this is the rest that he, that he promises. So we hear that I will provide rest for your souls. And you just alluded to like that kind of being a physical rest or like, God's going to give you rest, you know, and and it's going to be fine. But this is meaning a spiritual rest. This is not, and this is meaning a security in him. Like it's not meaning a rest for anything really physical. It's more meaning a rest for something spiritual inside. The rest he promises is certainly for the world to come, but it is not, it is also for this world. It is the sense of security and peace that flows from a right relation with God, the father through obedience to his son, the Messiah and the membership in his kingdom. So when we look at New Testament rest, at the rest that we are entering into, it's really a security and a peace that we are who God calls us to be and that we are, in fact, if we're following Jesus, that we are, in fact, one of his disciples, that we are righteous, that we are holy. And so what this does is this ceases striving in our lives. If we can grab a hold of, <clears throat> I can rest and I can have peace and I, I can know my standing with God because I'm confident, mm-hmm. <laughs> then I can there, because I'm confident in the work that God has done in me, I can have rest for my soul. I'm not walking around thinking, oh my gosh, I, I don't want to mess up today. And if I mess up today, and if I don't do exactly what God tells me to do, and if I don't blah, 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 I get all this crazy anxiety and I can't rest in the fact that, mm-hmm. okay, God's grace is sufficient. His strength is is made perfect in my weakness. And if I screw up, I can repent and I can come to him. And he still sees me and still loves me and still knows me. And it's okay. And I don't have to do anything out of obligation. I do mm-hmm. something out of love. And Christ has already done everything. And now I have this peace for my soul and rest for my soul. So I don't feel like I have to overachieve at work for me to have fulfillment. I don't feel like I have to overachieve at uh, any extracurricular activity so that I can be uh, made known or so that I can make people like me or so that I can have confidence or, or whatever. Like it really takes away all of the pressures. If I know who I am in Jesus, it takes away all the external pressures that might cause me to not be able to rest mm-hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So I think like if we don't start with that foundation of rest, then the rest of it doesn't matter. Because yeah. resting from work, it's it is something that we should do. It is something that God did. Um, but he also only rested one out of seven days. Right. So, like I don't think God's calling us to binge Netflix all day. Like that kind of rest. Rest for your soul sounds to me like mental rest, emotional rest. Sorry, my phone's buzzing this whole time. And spiritual rest, but that doesn't necessarily point to physical rest, even though biblically we're supposed to take a Sabbath day. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if you look at, so uh, me and uh, Mike were actually having this conversation uh, earlier this week, and this is what led to this podcast, is that if you look at the life of Jesus, okay, which is what we're supposed to, uh, it is what we're supposed to um, imitate, right? Is the life of Jesus. Um, If you look at the life of Jesus, you see him retreating for 
for a time, mm -hmm. right? And every time that you see him retreat, at least every time that it's recorded, you see him retreat, it's to get alone with his father. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's to get alone with his father. It's to be poured into so that he can pour out. And the only times that you see him rest, really, uh, biblically, is whenever he has he has already poured out or he is about to do something big yeah. <laughs> and needs to be poured into even more. Mm -hmm. And that's when you see it. And it's crazy because I was telling Michael, I said, the biggest quote unquote period of solitude and rest that Jesus had was probably his hardest time um, right. with 40 days in the wilderness of fasting by himself, being poured into, being prepared. He had just been baptized and now he's being prepared spiritually for ministry, which is weird to think about that Jesus needed that, but he did um, because he was still a man. And so like he needed that. He got away with God. He's resting in that moment because he's in solitude. However, He's still fighting temptation. Mm -hmm. He's still clinging close to God. He's still fasting. So his physical body is probably like it is withering away, but his soul is being made whole and his soul is being made perfect. And I didn't mean to get on a rant here, but I think that the misconception that we use within uh, especially Christianity culture is that rest is sitting on my butt and doing nothing yeah, no, that's or that rest is rest is, um, you know, going on, I'm going to go on vacation for a week and that's rest. Well, no, that's like part of what rest is. But if you want true, real, sufficient, <laughs> fulfilling rest, then you have to get alone with your father. You yeah. have to get alone with God. You have to spend time with God. So what that looks like is it doesn't look like sitting and doing nothing and waiting for God to speak to you and show you his perfect plan for your life. What it looks like is carving out time throughout the day and saying, I'm going to get away from every single thing in the day, all my responsibilities, all my obligations, all of my worries, and all of my fears that I'm not going to be good enough in this particular aspect. And I'm going to get away from all that for however long I need to. And I'm going to, I'm going to allow God to pour into me. For me, that's first thing in the morning or mostly first thing in the morning. Um, right before I get to work, uh, I'm spending time in God's word reading his word, reading commentaries, praying and, and listening to worship music. So I'm, I'm allowing God to pour into me so that I can pour out for the rest of, of work. And the more and more and more that I do that, the more confident I am in my standing with God. Mm -hmm. And so therefore I have more rest and I don't feel like I have to prove myself to anybody or even to myself or to God himself. I don't have to prove myself to anything or to anyone. And so that allows me to have rest internally. And so that's the reason why I don't need as much rest physically. Like I truly believe that. And I think that we have a misconception that rest in our culture is just sitting and doing nothing because we do have we do have a true uh, polarization of, of hustle culture, hustle, 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 go, 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 achieve, mm -hmm. achieve, 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 um, which I can be a part of many times. And then we also have the other culture that says, hey, you know what? You just be you. Just chill. Yeah, you like don't need to prove self -care anything. Self-care day every day. Oh my gosh. Self-care day. <laughs> we need to do a whole other podcast on that because I don't have time for that. But like, yeah, I need a self-care day. No, you're just being prideful. Like, sorry. Like, like I heard this podcast the other day that was talking about how when we are called to Christ, when we are called to follow Christ, we are called to leave everything else. And we are called to lay our lives completely down and say, God, whatever you want to do. And if we can understand that, then we don't have to worry about the polarization because we're saying, God, whatever you want me to do. And then we're being obedient to God, whatever you want me to do. And if God tells me to go take a walk in the woods today, then I go take a walk in the woods today. And guess what? That brings fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And that brings rest. If God tells me to go serve at my church this weekend and to do it with a glad and happy and joyful heart, and I do that, then that brings fulfillment and therefore brings rest. And so I think that we don't have the proper understanding of rest. The last yeah. thing I want to say, and then I can hear y'all's uh, commentary on it, is that I, I alluded to it earlier, is that God rested after six days of work. Mm -hmm. So everybody wants to point to, well, even God needed rest. He did after six days of work, also creating the heavens and the earth and all of the universe, like mm -hmm. the most immense work, which for God was nothing, but like, you know, he's doing all of this work for six days and then he takes the Sabbath day. And there's the principle in that, that if you're not working 
and pouring yourself out completely, mm-hmm. then you don't need a self-care day. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but you don't. Now, if you're working your tail off for the kingdom, whether that be within the church or outside of the church, if you're working to serve your local community, if you're working to serve your family, if you're working to do whatever it is that God has called you to do, and you feel like you have done everything that you can for that week, then yes, you should be taking a rest, Mm -hmm. which is why we take Fridays off. Like you should be, but you shouldn't be taking a rest if you have not been pouring out. Yeah, it's a six to one work to rest ratio. Yeah. When you think of it that way, it's like, oh, dang, maybe I don't need five days in a row to just get away or whatever. Like if you can steal those moments, the practical thing is that if you can steal those moments throughout the day Mm -hmm. to rest, that is key. What can I do throughout the day to rest and to, to be secure in who I am in Christ? Because that is where true rest begins. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the danger with self-care and us confusing that with biblical rest is like, so we, we've we determined, sorry, I'm probably not close enough to the microphone because my feet weren't touching the floor <laughs> and I was leaning back. You're all good. I'm in a lower chair. Um, all right, I have my thought. It's going to come back to me. It's not that far removed. Self-care, biblical rest. Okay. How we were talking about biblical rest is received by getting alone with God and spending that time with him and creating that space where there's no other distractions that will give us rest. But then we live in a culture where self-care and rest means today I will be comfortable. Today I will make the most ideal situation for myself so that it's about me and only me so then it can be about others later. I don't know how much later, mm-hmm. but it can be about others yes. later. And then it gets it gets selfish and it gets anti-Christian and it gets how can I feel happy and comfortable and how can I go about things leisurely and be in luxury. And I know not everybody deals with it that way, but like when people set that like self-care in their schedule and like nobody's messing with their hour and a half bathtub time <laughs> or nobody's messing with their, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just these... Just these things that keep us from serving and pouring into people like we we are at danger of extending our rest time simply so that we're comfortable enough to serve. Yeah, I would say that if you think, if you believe, and here's why I'll be a little softer. Earlier I made a very broad statement. But if you believe that you need, like you are desperate for time off or desperate for a self-care day or desperate for a break away from normal, then what I would posit to you is that you have been striving and you are trying to prove yourself to yourself. You're trying to prove yourself to God. You're trying to prove yourself to your family. You're trying to prove yourself to your boss. You are trying to strive so that you will have uh, approval from someone or some entity, some body, right? But that's not the way that we were created because we were created to not strive, but to stride with God, to be in stride with his Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? What is your expectation for my work today? What is your expectation for how I live in my family today? Who am I supposed to serve today, Holy Spirit? Instead Mm -hmm. of, I got to get this crap done and I got to do this and I got to do this or else I'm going to get fired and I got to make my boss happy and I got to make my family happy and I got to blah, blah, blah. If you can stride with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do today? He knows everything that you need and in the moment. And if you can get alone with him, he will show you what is actually important for today. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you don't have the need to have to have a self-care five days in a row right? You don't have to have that. So that's why it's so crucial to spend that time with God and to say, I know who I am. I know this is cheesy. I know who I am and I know whose I am. So I don't need to strive in any other aspect of my life. You know, when I get tired and when I get most emotionally and physically or emotionally and mentally gassed is when I think, man, I've got to be the best dad I can possibly be today. And I've got to be the best husband that I can possibly be today. And like, those would normally be a good thing. Like Mm -hmm. you would think that thinking that would be a great thing. Like I'm going to wake up today. I'm going to be the best husband I can possibly be. But no, 
Cause that puts a lot of pressure on you <laughs> yeah. and that puts a lot of like, I've got to earn approval and I've got to earn love and I've got to make sure that I show. But if I'm just dad or if I'm just Kendall as a husband and I just allow things to come to me and I just allow time with my family just to be blah and just to be there, then I'm a way better dad and a way better husband. But if I strive and I stride or if I strive so hard to gain approval and to make sure that everybody around me is happy, then I really end up losing, right? And Jesus said it this way, that if you try to find your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find eternal life. And I think that's the rest that really this culture is, is desiring. Our generation is desiring. We're desiring rest that can only be found in knowing that we are Jesus Christ, in knowing that we are covered by his blood, in knowing that we are accepted and approved and made righteous in right standing with God. So you made a point earlier that I want to drill down on because I don't want us to miss it. And it was that uh, when Christ was in the wilderness being tempted, that he was being prepared also. And I think of this like, imagine introvert, extrovert. It's kind of like an easy way to put this. An introvert feels at rest when they're at home, not around people. And they need to do that regularly in order to gas up, in order to be, in order to go out and be around people. So mm -hmm. their rest is also their preparation mm -hmm. to be around people. Yeah. And extroverts is just flipped. And so you can think of this also in terms of like a warrior, right? A warrior, when he's not in, in the midst of battle, is resting, but he's also preparing for the next battle. And so where you are when you're comfortable there's a relationship between comfort and rest here, it seems to me. Mm -hmm. And life is just a conveyor belt of uncomfortable battles that you have to deal with each day, each week, each month. And maybe rest is receding into the areas where you're comfortable. And while you're in those areas, preparing to reach back out into the chaos and the unknown and to deal with it mm -hmm. effectively. Yeah. But, but what about people who are missing the preparation part of it? What about the people who are like, okay, rest doesn't mean preparation. Rest means indulgence. Right. What, what do you do when, you know, for instance, I was thinking about, because I had a hard time answering the question earlier about what I do for rest now mm -hmm. because I, I don't know. I mean, it's just hard. It's hard <laughs> to think of it. I don't feel like I'm ever at rest. I couldn't but, tell you had a hard time. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, lately it's been so... We do the CrossFit at the gym and that's definitely not rest. That's hard. That's very hard. Yeah, no, that's But like nice. sometimes I'll go in in the evenings and I'll just lift, like lift weights. And mm -hmm. I do it at my own pace and I take lots of breaks and I just listen to music and it's very restful for me. So there's lots of physical exertion, but it feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but what it also does is it prepares me for the harder stuff. I get stronger. Um, you know, it, it gets me set up well for the next day. It helps me sleep better. All that stuff. Um but that's not like an indulgence. Yeah. And so if we could teach people, how would you teach somebody to say somebody uses rest to indulge themselves right mm -hmm. now? So rest mm -hmm. for them is Ben and Jerry's and Netflix, mm -hmm. you know, or something yeah. like that. Uh, how would you teach someone to change that indulgent rest into preparation rest? Would you teach them that? And how would you do it? Um, so on what I teach you to do that, not all the time. I think sometimes, again, it's okay to have some sort of indulgent rest, like, uh, and that could be just an opinion because I have that. So, like you said, Ben and Jerry's and Netflix. <laughs> Mine is Meadows and YouTube. So, <laughs> it's all right. I think it's a frequency thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and that's where I was going to get to. Is like it's okay every once in a while, and I think that every once in a while, therefore, is not indulgent, right? It's still within moderation. So if you kind of take like that six to one rule, right? Like mm -hmm. of the amount of time that I'm uh, fully resting <clears throat> versus the time that I'm actually pouring out. I think that's kind of like the thing is that you've got to have some sort of moderation in that indulgent rest. So I would say, don't throw it out completely. But I would also say like, you do absolutely have to have some sort of preparation. So for me, as a more of an extrovert, um, my preparation in my rest is not being around people. Like I don't want to be around a single person mm -hmm. on Fridays. Like people try to meet with me on Friday. And if you've ever tried to meet with me on Friday, I'm sorry, but this is the reason why is because <laughs> I 
only have so much to pour out. Yeah. <laughs> and my rest on a Friday is reading articles or it's reading the Bible or it is listening to worship music without watching the video and just enjoying the worship of it so that Saturday through Thursday, I can pastor people Saturday through Thursday. I can mm -hmm. sit with people. I can talk with them. I can, I can tell them about something that I've read or something that I've listened to or whatever. Um, but again, like I have to take that Friday where I don't meet with anybody. Mm -hmm. And so to me, the way that I would tell you how to take rest that is not indulgent is do something like you said, that brings life, right? That brings life to you. Um, to some people that might look like indulgence, um, but it's not. That's where the subjective nature comes in, right? So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, um, okay, I'll give you this example. For me, um, when I was training like really hardcore and eating like perfect and tracking every single thing I could possibly track food-wise, my rest from, from that, from that mental gymnastics of trying to figure out all my macros and stuff was having a cheat day. And um, maybe not every nutritionist will tell you this, but I know at least in the athletic world, nutritionists will tell you like you have to have this cheat day that yeah. you do indulge um, so that you can still be able to do what do the discipline that you're supposed to do throughout throughout the week. So um, that's in a preparation. So like for some people subjectively that indulgence actually is what prepares them. Um, but if you're doing it in a sinful nature, well, that's wrong. If you're saying, man, you know what? I've, I've just done so good this week. I'm going to go out Friday night and I'm going to get absolutely right. drunk and it's right. going to be great. And then I'm going to wake up the next day. It's going to be fine because right. I was resting. <laughs> well, no, that's sinful. So that's not rest. Right. That doesn't bring life to your soul. In fact, right. it brings not destruction. Not life of the party, life of Christ, Yes, please. exactly. <laughs> like, like for me, when I'm watching Netflix, I don't just watch trash. Like I watch a documentary. Or I watch something about something I'm involved, like I'm interested in, like some kind of creative show or something like that. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to watch that versus like something that's inherently sinful um, because then it's not really indulgent. But I would say like you have to just, it, that's, that's where it's different for everybody sometimes is like if you're a recovering alcoholic, then having one drink, if you're over 21, if you have one drink, <laughs> you know, and that's okay, like, well, that might be fine for you, but if you're a recovering alcoholic and you're 21 and you have one drink and that's your rest, well, that's not really right. Like, that's not really good for you. You shouldn't yeah. be doing that. It doesn't bring it doesn't bring health. It doesn't bring life. So I think the barometer, the standard is, is my indulgent nature destroying me? <laughs> or is what I'm doing for rest bringing life? So I have two proposals that I want to make to both of you. And I want to know if you agree with them and if you agree why you agree if you don't agree, how would you adjust it? Okay. Proposal number one, you have rested too much if the idea or the thought of doing something uncomfortable causes you anxiety or is too hard for you to actually do. Like it's too hard for you to get out and do it. So for instance, I have rested from the gym too much if the idea of getting up at 6 a.m. in the morning to go to the gym is becoming too difficult for me to actually get up and do. I still work out. It's not in the I know morning. I wasn't. I was asking you to answer the question. Oh, I wasn't. Okay. That wasn't I a thought, shade look. Well, I well, thought that was an evil glare. <laughs> no, that wasn't a shade look. <laughs> uh, uh, the reason why I'm I'm proposing this is because conventional wisdom would say that when something when a doing something uncomfortable becomes too difficult, it must be because you're too tired to do it. But I actually think that if you've rested too much, you start to atrophy, and then the ability to go out and do the thing starts to fade and then it becomes even harder for you to do. So if you're just in the situation where you've taken self-care days for six months and the thought of actually getting up to go do something uh, causes you anxiety or make you automatically feel like you're going to fail. Like for instance, if you want to start a workout regimen, but you won't tell anybody about it because you don't want to publicize your failure, like that's kind of the zone where you know that you've, uh, you've rested too much. Do you think that that's true? Why or why not? My my gut answers yes, I think so. But I'm still I'm still thinking if there's anything else that would cause anxiety towards something other than Well we don't we don't like to be uncomfortable, even though like the Christian life calls you to that 
Because, like, any time that I hadn't worked out for, like, five days, it took, like, it took a lot more to get back into it. And just that repetitive process of people thinking they need all this rest or, like, people who, like, live on vacations, right? Their rest is their vacation. If they can just get to their vacation, they come back and they're super depressed and have a hard time going back into their daily activities is because they just set up this precedent and this standard where it is a constant, uh, just that there's no, there's no adapting. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a quick circuit of like indulgence and then get back into it. Ah, oh, this is too hard. I need to indulge again. And then I'll try to get back into it, but it's still too hard. So I don't know. I guess my answer to that is yes. If I think of all the times where I rested from something too much or tried to get back into it whether it was just like spiritual drought and wasn't in my word for a while why was it so hard to get back into it because I had so long of that comfortability of not changing that yeah I think that ends up being a habit like what you just uh rest can become a habit and where rest it's just like with anything else like there are things that are good that can end up turning sinful right and there are things that even God has told us to do that could end up turning sinful, which would be resting or being, uh, you know, um, hyper, hyper righteous and like, you know, self-righteous and like, yeah, I follow all the rules and blah, blah, blah. And now that would be sinful. Right. So like, if you're prideful about that. Um, and so like, to me, yes, I, I do agree with that statement and I'll move it away from the gym. Cause we've been talking about the gym a lot. Um, which the reason why is cause we just came from the gym, but, um, uh, I'll take it to actually starting, United, like the first time I preached uh, and started crafting a sermon, that was like the first time I've crafted like a full-on sermon in about three years. And because I was taking some forced rest from doing that side of ministry and getting started on that, like I thought that I would be like all freaking ready to go mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, I've got so much to say. And then like... <laughs> I was actually terrified. Like I was terrified that it wouldn't be good. And that I was terrified that like, I'm not even gonna remember how to speak or like stand up and give a sermon. And like, I, I'm not gonna be able to do it. Right. And so, um, you know, I think that that was starting to teeter on the, I could have been resting too long because I was in the habit of not constructing that stuff. And that's something where like, even though I was forced rest, I could have been, like you said earlier, sharpening myself and writing, writing sermons or preaching to myself in the mirror at some point, like, or, you know, recording certain things. Like I could have been doing things to sharpen myself that didn't require standing in front of a group of people and actually giving a sermon. Um, so I think, yeah, at that point, like I was resting a little too much. Um, it was the same way when I started playing worship again, playing music again at church is like, I had taken a lot of time off from playing anything like, um, at all, like not playing any music, not picking up my guitar or anything. And so when it was time to actually do it, it became very scary. I was doing that like in youth, youth group, like I'm 33 years old and like, I'm scared of playing in front of teenagers. Like, (laughs) so yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that for me, um, even in a spiritual sense, like taking that time off, I didn't keep myself sharp. So I rested too long and then it became, uh, anxiety filled for me. So Okay, so that's really good. So we have our first barometer. Our first barometer, our first measuring stick is that if it's become too difficult for you to uh, step up to a challenge, then you know you've rested too much. Okay, so let's leave that there. Here's proposal number two. You have worked too much or you have strived too much if in the midst of challenge or in the midst of work, you can no longer conduct yourself with the fruit of the spirit. And for those who aren't familiar with the mm. fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, kindness. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, uh, all that stuff. So take note of those things because it is possible that even in the midst of challenge, even in the midst of, of working and performing excellently, you can still have all of those qualities with you. So is it a reliable measuring stick to determine whether or not it's time for a rest if those things are not present in the midst of your work. A thousand percent. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not yeah, even yeah. gonna give you no, a chance. No, it's to all right. That. I'm right there with you. Yeah, because yeah, I no know doubt on that one. I know a hundred percent if I am the most irritated person in the room, <laughs> it's not just because I want excellence and I want people to rise up, blah, blah, blah. If I am a jerk, 
then I know that I have not taken enough time off. And that's with people that I lead. That's with, um, that's with my family. Mm -hmm. Like if I start yelling at my kids for no reason, which happens sometimes, I think, yeah, just a little bit, but like it happens sometimes and I evaluate crap. Why would I, why was I just like that? Oh, it's because I'm, I'm already thinking about all this crap I got to do today instead of just being here present in the moment. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, when I start to become a jerk, I'm like, ooh, man, I should probably take a couple yeah. days off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I do that to my family. Like, I, I go home and my mom says something super simple or, like, asks me to pick something up. It's not that big of a deal. Like, it would take, like, mm-hmm. 10 to 15 minutes of my time. And I'm just blowing up. It's a big problem. Patience is out the window. Kindness is out the window. I'm not, like, cussing my parents out or anything, but, like, something that small shouldn't have ticked me off that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're onto something there that if you, if you do not, uh, if there is no evidence of the fruits of the spirit in your life, then uh, you need some time off from Mm -hmm. doing whatever the heck it is you're striving to do. So we've, sorry. So we've solved uh, subjective problems with objective markers here then. So you could think like, Maybe one of the reasons why Christians get rest wrong is because, A, they rest at the wrong times. Like, they don't know when to rest or they don't know when they should stop resting. Mm -hmm. Well, we've solved those problems by suggesting that if it's too hard for you to step up to a challenge or to step up to battle or whatever it is in your life, if that thought causes you too much anxiety and you're not able to get out and do it, then you've rested too much and you've begun to atrophy. And then on the other side of the coin, if you're like a workaholic type or you're super intense, um if you lose the fruit of the spirit in the midst of your work or in the midst, in the midst of your performance, then you know it's time to back off and take a rest. So those are things it's so cool because those are all subjective for each one of us. Like when that marker hits, but the marker itself is not subjective. No, you know when it happens. And so that's great. Like that's super valuable for people. Um, Yeah, for sure. I think in, even within that, right? Like it has to be, the whole confidence and peace and uh, like understanding where I'm at with God has to be your foundation for rest. Like, because again, striving comes from not feeling like you're accepted or acceptable and that you have to do all of these things to be accepted or, you know, to be uh, excellent or whatever. And if you can rest in God and know that, Hey, God's got it under control. He's made me who I am. Uh, I'm made right with him and anything that I do is not going to make him love me anymore. That doesn't make you become lazy or do nothing. But what it does is it says, I'm okay and I'll be okay. And it doesn't matter what I do. I'm I'm doing this for the Lord because I love him and everything else is gravy. It's fine. Like, I think just having that proper perspective helps us stay in the right lane. And so that's why you lose the fruit of the spirit whenever, or you don't, you're not showing the fruit of the spirit whenever you're striving too much is because now you're putting everything in your court mm-hmm. and you're trying to prove yourself and you're trying to do too much and you're not allowing the spirit to move through you. So one, one more question and we can make this last one if you guys want, but uh, it's the, it's a question from Christians who would say something like, well, you talk a lot about excellence and you talk a lot about overcoming challenges and these sorts of things, but what if I don't want to do any of that? What if God loves me the way that I am? And what if, if I'm going to get any better at all in this life, it's going to only be the spirit of God moving in me. It's not going to be on my own effort. So why should I put forward any effort at all? Why not just float? Jesus told a story about that, but Go ahead. I'll let you, you look like you're about well, to say something. Well, I'm sure it, it's on the same, it's on the same train of thought, but like, well, then you've yourself stopped your own sanctification process. You know, you've stopped you've stopped meeting God and allowing him to do that and just accept and just uh, expecting things to to fall in your lap with little to no effort. And all of there's truth wrapped up in that, which is what makes it a little twisted. Like, of course, there's there's no way that any of that can happen without God, without the Holy Spirit operating and living in you every single day but the second you say okay that's all on him and i'm good enough you are falling right into like pharisaical if that's a word like mm-hmm. pharisaical mind frame and uh that's a 
That's a dangerous place to be, and it allows you justify being a sloth eventually. And yeah, no, I would, uh, I would disagree with that. You have to, because I mean, Jesus didn't even do that. You know, we talked about him retreating and meeting with God to continue to work on on his process and his ministry, even though he was sinless and blameless, and we are not. So, like, we one hundred percent need that and can't just take the back seat. That's that's that doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, the first thing I think of when you said that was the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, mm-hmm. uh, 14 through 30. And so if you uh, want to go take the time to read that, um, because it really tells about a master who gives three different guys like, hey, I'm going to give you 10 talents. I'm going to give you five. I'm going to mm-hmm. give you one. And then he comes back and, you know, they, he's like, hey, what did you do with my money? Like, what did you do with the stuff that I gave you? And the guy with the 10 is like, I invested it and you've tripled your money. And the guy with the five, I invested it. You doubled your money. It's great. The guy with the one <laughs> talent, the guy with the one talent um, said, hey, I buried it because I didn't want to lose it. Um, and I was fearful for what might happen. And so the ruler is like, yeah, buddy, uh, guess what? You're out of my kingdom. And what you used to have, give me back the talent, first of all. And then whatever else you had, give me all that too. Um, because you did not steward the gift that I gave you well at all. And um, Jesus even says, like, those who have been given much, much is required. Those who have been given little, little is required, all that stuff. Okay, right? So we've been given much as Christians. We've been given much um, as followers of Jesus. We've been given much grace. We've been given much um, <clears throat> much to pour out, like much to serve. We've been given a lot. We've been given the Holy Spirit, like the power, right? So we've been given all these things to do something with it. And so um, that's the thing that comes to my mind is that if we're sitting around and we're saying, yeah, but I just can't, I'm not going to overcome. I'm just not going to, you know, I'm not going to work really hard. I'm not going to step up to challenges. To me, that's the guy with the one talent saying, well, I'm really scared about what might happen, so let me just bury what I got, and I'm just going to sit on that and be good. And we don't like to think of... um, We don't like to think of God being just in this way. Um, We only like to think God of being just in a social justice manner, but that's for another topic. Um, We don't like to think of God being just in the fact that, hey, what I gave you, you were supposed to do something with. And that's justice. Like that is God being sovereign over what he's given us. And he's called us to do something with what he's been given us. If you have breath in your lungs, you are meant to be doing something for God. So I have a follow-up question. Yeah. How do you determine whether or not you're doing that? Well, it's what I said earlier. It's, it's spending time and striding with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. If you are consistently drawing close to God, through the reading of his word, through meeting with other Christians, through being discipled and discipling others. Like if you are, if you have the spiritual disciplines, then they are going on in your life, then you cannot miss what God has called you to do. You cannot miss the things that God has put in front of you if you have people who are discipling you, if you're helping disciple others, if you, if you are in tune with the Holy Spirit in a sense that you are reading his word and he is speaking to you and you're praying. Like we want to mysticize all this stuff and think that we should be seeing a sign and all like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got to see this and these five things have to happen before I know that it's for sure God. And I've got to know, no, no, no. Well, if you spend more time with him on a daily basis, you would know Mm -hmm. because you would have an understanding that, "Mm, moving this way convicts me a little bit. Moving this way, I feel at peace and I feel like God is moving me in this direction. Oh, yeah, also the person who's discipling me, the wise counsel, they're saying that this is a good idea as well or they're challenging me to step up to this area. So maybe I should actually go and do that. You know, we get preoccupied with it's got to be perfect and it's got to be exactly right and I've got to know that I know and I've got to have this perfect butterfly feeling and no, that's just not the case. Like any, any decision that I've made for God um, that I felt like God was telling me to do, I was terrified of doing it. Like I didn't feel good about it. The, the things that I convinced myself that I felt good about, uh, I don't think actually were from God. Like I think they were made up for Kindle. That's what mm-hmm. I think. So in, how do you know? You spend more time with God. And it sounds like such a simple answer, but it's mm-hmm. the truth. How did Jesus know where to go and what to do? He said, I'm only going to say what my father tells me to say. I'm only going to do what my father tells me to do. And I'm only going to go where my father tells me to go. Well, what did he do? He spent time with the father. And mm-hmm. that's why he knew where to go, what to do, what to say. Okay. I have a follow-up question for you. And I'm thinking of college students in mind. 
so everybody's off for the summer, right? Mm-hmm. Their, their responsibilities as a student are done unless they're taking summer classes. They're working. They know that they need to spend more time with God. I'm thinking of this because I have several profiles in my head of people mm-hmm. that want this but are just struggling to get it all started and to get it all going. And summer is a really easy time for college kids to rest. Do and nothing. I am doing absolutely <laughs> nothing. Yeah. And it is all about what I want to do. Like YOLO to my summer. This is going to be fun. <laughs> and then I'll get back at it in the fall. Yeah. So what would you, what would you say to them? What would that framework look like if they're new to spending time with God? Because I mean, I've told people where where to start, what uh-huh. to read, what to, yeah. you know, what gospel to start and what Bible plan to give a go. And like, sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not. And I realize like, I can't necessarily control that. But given that context, what would you say to all of the college students you've been preaching to and okay. rest and spending time with <clears throat> yeah. God this summer? So two things. Um, one is uh, just simply schedule the time. Mm-hmm. The reason why you just say, I'm going to do whatever the summer is because you don't have a schedule and you yeah. try not to have a schedule, right? but schedule, not an extended block of time, but a specific time in the day. Okay. So whether that's in the morning at night, um, I do believe I used to laugh at my Bible professors that were like, you must do it in the morning. I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it whenever I want to. I'm with you. But guess what? Uh, in the morning actually is the best time because it's before like all the craziness of the day gets to you. Like if I try to plan to have Bible time in the afternoon or for lunch, I always lose. Um, like it oh, doesn't happen. I'm like, yeah, but YouTube sounds so much better during lunch than reading my Bible. So yep, for sure. anyways, um, so I, it, whatever time you wake up, if that's noon, who gives a crap? <laughs> like when you wake up, schedule the time to read something out of the Bible. Now, if you don't know where to start, download. There's two apps that I want you to download. Um, one is an actual Bible app, and it's called the Version Bible app. And you can go into a tab called plans, and you can search for any word that you want to. You're dealing with anxiety, type in anxiety, and a whole bunch of different plans will come up. Mm-hmm. And you can pick one, and you can read it. And you can read the word of God about that specific thing. Okay, so that's one. Um, now, if you literally have no clue where to start, I just found this uh, new app called Faithful. And um, I really enjoy it because it's different pastors uh, doing like five to 10 minutes worth uh, on one particular scripture for the day. And the reason, another reason that I love it is because you can set, when you set up your profile, it's completely free. You set up your profile and it says, what time of the day would you like to spend time with God? And you put it in. So mine's 8.30. I put it in and I get a notification every single day at 8.30. Time to spend time with God today. Here's the new verse that we're looking over today. And they do a new verse every single day. And so they read the verse and then they explain it to you. And then here's the icing on top. (laughs) They give you a prayer and response time. That's like five seconds for you just to pray and respond right then and there. So the app is called Faithful. And um, I really love it. Um, And I think that that would be somewhere to start perfectly. And if you want to dive in deeper, they actually have Bible plans there as well. But again, they're all video teaching. And so like, if you're someone who's an auditory learner, or it's hard for you to read, like I do not like reading because my brain goes all over the place. Um, when I'm staring at the words, like it might, my brain goes all over. So I like to listen to stuff a lot of times or listen to other pastors unpack things or talk about commentary. So that's, that's what I would do. I would lay out a specific time of day. Um, and it, it is a discipline. These are called spiritual disciplines right. for a reason because it, it is forced, a discipline. But you need it to yeah. get it going. Sometimes a discipline is not fun. It sucks sometimes. Yeah. But you're like, no, I set out to do this. I'm committed to it. I'm going to get it done. Um, so don't set a time. Don't say an hour. Don't say I'm going to spend 15 minutes. I'm going to say five. Because if you don't do that, you're going to feel like a failure. And then it's going to be easy for you to say, oh, I'm just not going to do it because it's too hard. Right, right. Just take the time once a day set your alarm, set a notification, download those two apps or one of those two apps and just do the reading for the day and then move on. Like it's that simple. And I am guaranteeing you that you will see change in your life if you do that. Guaranteed. Like it's not even a question. If you do that on the daily or most of the time, you will see a complete change in your life. Okay, thanks. I exhausted my resources and I didn't know about that app, so <laughs> yeah. I figured I'd ask. 
for anybody listening. Yeah. So again, uh, the the Faithful app, Faithful. It's pink with the red F on it. There you go. Faithful. Well, I think that's pretty good today. Uh, we went a lot longer than what I expected, but I think that it was good. So we also haven't done one of these in a month. So uh, thank you guys for joining us for the Uloft podcast. I want to remind you to be a part of United. Now, you can't really be a part of United for this month or next month. But the next month in August, you can. <laughs> August 31st is our first Unite at the Indiana Theater. We've got some big things planned for you guys there for 727, August 31st. It's on a Tuesday, of course. It's going to be a great night. Um, we also have a couple of different things going on throughout the summer in Indiana. So if you're still in town, check out our website or our Instagram, and that'll be telling you about all the stuff that we've got going on. But in the meantime, listen to more podcasts. Check out more YouTubes and we'll see you later.